0: Hello everyone, this is Spark My Muse, and I am your host, Lisa DeLay. This is Soul School Lesson 126, The Lament of the Cloud of Witnesses. Today has been a rough week. We have lost Rachel Held Evans, we have lost Jean Vanier. As I sometimes do, I will feature poetry. Poetry seeps into the spaces and articulates the ineffable. Maybe for what it doesn't say, as much as for what it does there's been an outpouring of course for Rachel Held Evans for the many ways she has helped people be seen when they weren't seen loved when they haven't felt loved and this cloud of witnesses has erupted online mourning her loss and grieving it and reaching out to comfort Dan her husband and her two young children in their time of great loss I also have felt that it is a time of lament and is a time where we as witnesses gather and grieve together and also remember and rejoice that she is still with us, not just in our memories and in her legacy and what we carry on, but she is alive with the resurrected Christ, just as he is alive. And Jean Vanier, who many people have called a living saint, died at 90, his rich, long life and legacy, marked by his tenderness, his care for the least of these among the intellectually disabled, among the poor. His life one of quiet humility and developing communities that were centered around core members that had intellectual disabilities and learning from them and making them the heroes of the journey. I so loved the richness of Jean Vanier's life and the people that were drawn to him and the people who learned from him and the people that he learned from those with intellectual disabilities who can teach us so much about what real humanity is and about the God who made us and loved us. And what grace is that grace is all about God loving us exactly how we are and exactly how we come into the world with nothing to offer, no skills, no talents, no special secret sauce, just as we are, whether we have a smart mind and many skills, athletic talents, artistic talents. Even if we have a room temperature IQ, we are so lovely to God, so beloved and so cherished And as we, among the able-minded and the able-bodied, can sense this deep, rich humanity so crazy prevalent in all of God's people, all of God's children, how richly our lives can unfold, one of my most supportive and helpful sponsors and friends, Noel Young, sent me a poem by Rumi that I'm cherishing now, and I'm going to share with you. And it goes like this. Crying out loud and weeping are great resources. A nursing mother, all she does is wait to hear her child. Just a little beginning whimper, and she's there. Cry out, do not be stolid and silent. With your pain, lament, and let the milk of loving flow into you. The hard rain and the wind are ways the cloud has to take care of us. As I think of this poem that Rumi constructed, of course it's a translation of Arabic, I think of the cloud taking care of us. I think of the cloud of witnesses gone before us and still living in the space of eternity, witnessing perhaps in ways we can't even understand what is happening now with us. And also the cloud of witnesses now that surround and support us and join us in our grief and mourn when we mourn. And sometimes we don't allow ourselves to be comforted and we grieve alone. And for those of you who are in grief or feel alone in your grief, and I should say that grief is simply the distress of loss. You don't have to have had someone die that is your close family relative to experience grief. Grief can come in all forms and it can just be a change that causes grief, a change in job or the location where you live. Grief can be in small, tiny packages that pack a punch, or grief can be extended for months or even years when the loss feels continual. And one of the ways we move along through grief in healthy and mature ways that don't cause us continual damage is to allow other people to share the burden of grief with us. And in those ways, the community bears each other up. One of the ways I have found to this incredibly helpful is to remember good memories of a person who has passed on and reflect on those cherished memories with other people. When we don't know what to say when someone has lost a loved one, sometimes just mentioning something you enjoyed about the person, or a fond memory is a wonderful way to share in the spirit of that person. You don't have to say that you're sorry or come up with something clever or witty to say or something that will ease their pain because there's probably no easing of that pain. And sometimes the thing that we can offer most during a time of grief is just our presence, just saying, I'm here with you. I understand what you're going through because I have felt the same way too." And sometimes just the silence and the presence is a space and an opening for love and support. Another person who shared something I thought I would read is Juliani gonzalez Nevias. She's one of my Twitter friends. She's from Puerto Rico, and she typed out a thread on Twitter that is a prayer from Oscar Romero. And I decided that I would share that with you. But first I wanted to tell you who is Oscar Romero. He's from El Salvador. He was a martyr. And I wanted to read to you a little bit about who he is. Plenty of people do know who he is, but plenty of people don't. And I thought I would uh, tell a little bit of his story. There was a movie made about him that's worth seeing. And I confess I haven't seen it myself. I didn't know who he was, but um, the extent of his love and his martyrdom for the poor, for the right thing, is dear and impressive. And his prayer that Giuliani shares is is remarkable, so I thought it'd be good to have a little bit of background. He was born August 15th, 1917. He died March March 24th, 1980, part of the Catholic Church in El Salvador and the fourth Archbishop of San Salvador. He spoke out against poverty, social injustice, assassinations, and torture. He was killed for those beliefs and his outspokenness. On March 12, 1977, one of his good friends, Rutilio Grande, a Jesuit priest and a personal friend who had been creating self-reliance groups among the poor, was assassinated, and his death had a profound impact on Romero. He said, When I looked at him lying there, I thought, if they have killed him for doing what he did, then I too have to walk the same path. He urged the government to investigate his death, but they ignored his request. And the press that was censored remained silent about the killing. In 1979, the revolutionary government junta came to power amidst a wave of human rights abuses by parliamentary right-wing groups and the government in an escalation of violence that would become the Salvadorian Civil War. Romero criticized the U.S. for giving military aid to the new government and wrote President Jimmy Carter in February 1980, warning that increased military aid would undoubtedly sharpen the injustice and the political repression inflicted on the organized people whose struggle has often been for their most basic human rights. Carter ignored Romero's pleas and military aid continued to the San Salvadorian government. His humanitarian efforts then became to be noticed internationally. Here's one of his statements on the persecution of the church and those in the church who work on behalf of the poor. In less than three years, more than 50 priests have been attacked, threatened, and six already have been martyrs. They were murdered some have been tortured others expelled from the country nuns have also been persecuted the archdiocesan radio station and educational institutions that are catholic or of catholic inspiration have been attacked threatened intimidated even bombed in in el salvador several parish communities have been raided if all this has happened to persons who are most evident representatives of the church you can guess what has happened to ordinary christians and lay ministers and the ecclesial-based communities. There have been threats, arrests, tortures, murders, numbering in the hundreds and thousands. But it is important to note why the church has been persecuted. Not any and every priest has been persecuted. Not any and every institution has been attacked. The part of the church that has been attacked and persecuted that put itself on the side of the people and went to the people's defense. Here again, we find the same key to understanding the persecution of the church, the poor. So in taking a stand for the underclass, the poor, those who are struggling, the church was persecuted by the government and the people who were in power because the poor wanted to to rise up against those who were oppressing them. Now, what happens is, He's creating, he's stirring up too much trouble, and so uh, they plot to assassinate him, and they do assassinate him. On March 23rd, 1980, Romero was delivering a sermon in which he called on Salvadorian soldiers as Christians to obey God's higher order and to stop carrying out the government's repression and violations of basic human rights. In a recollection organized by Opus Dei, a monthly gathering of priest friends. That evening, Romero celebrated Mass at a small chapel at the Hospital de la Divina Provincial, the Divine Providence Hospital, a church-run hospital specializing in oncology and care for the terminally ill. Romero finished his sermon, stepped away from the lectern, and took a few steps to stand at the center of the altar. As he finished speaking, a red car came to a stop on the street in front of the chapel, and the gunman emerged from the vehicle, stepped to the door of the chapel, and fired one or two shots and struck him in the heart. Then the vehicle sped off. And during his funeral ceremony, smoke bombs exploded on the streets near the cathedral, and subsequently there were rifle shots that came from surrounding buildings. Many people were killed by gunfire and in a stampede of people running away from the explosions and gunfire. Official sources report that there were 31 casualties, and journalists reported that 30, between 30 and 50 people died. Some witnesses claimed it was government security forces that threw bombs into the crowd, and army sharpshooters dressed as civilians that fired into the chaos from the balcony or roof of the National Palace. But There are contradictory reports of the events, probably no one will ever know the truth about the interrupted funeral. No one has ever been prosecuted for the assassination or confessed to it, and the gunman has not been identified. Since his death, Romero has been beautified and moved towards canonization and sainthood. And now I will read the prayer shared shared by Giuliani. He says, It helps now and then to step back and take a long view. The kingdom is not only beyond our efforts, it is beyond our vision. We accomplish in our lifetime only a tiny fraction of the magnificent enterprise that is God's work. Nothing we do is complete, which is a way of saying that the kingdom always lies beyond us. No statement says all that could be said. No prayer fully expresses our faith. No confession brings perfection. No pastoral visit brings wholeness. No program accomplishes the church's mission. No set of goals and objectives includes everything. This is what we are about. We plant the seeds that one day will grow. We water seeds already planted, knowing that they hold future promise. We lay foundations that will need further development. We provide yeast that produces far beyond our capabilities. We cannot do everything, and there is a sense of liberation in realizing that. This enables us to do something and do it very well. It may be incomplete, but it is a beginning, a step along the way, an opportunity for the Lord's grace to enter and do the rest. We may never see the end results, but that is the difference between the master builder and the worker. We are the workers, not master builders. Ministers, not messiahs. We are prophets of a future, not our own. Amen. And with that, I encourage you that if you are in grief or that if you feel the stone is too heavy to push up, the mountain, again, at every day and each day. That we are the workers and not the master builder. And we don't know what's coming ahead. We don't know how to continue the work to the end. And we don't have to continue the work to the end. We just have to do our part. And sometimes if we think something, someone like Rachel Held Evans at 37 died and she had two more books she was thinking about doing and wanting to do, and we think those books will never be written now. But if we believe that the spirit is always on the move and always within us, then those books are in the ether and someone else will catch that spirit and write what needs to be written and continue on. And the baton gets passed and the baton is getting passed by the Holy Spirit, not by Rachel. She was the voice for what had to happen at the time and the rest of us will pick up and carry on. And Jean Vanier was the one who created the environments at large so that the centerpieces of those communities would be the beautiful beautiful people God loves, the intellectually disabled who show us our true humanity and the true work of grace that God has for us, that no matter what we do and who we are, we are so beloved in the sight of God and we should be so beloved in the sight of each other. And though these people have left us for eternity in the glory of God, we remain and we must be faithful and we must do our part. And though we mourn together, we can find strength in the support, in the cloud of witnesses, in the lament that we pour out together. And I hope and pray that you can feel all the feelings that are difficult truly feel them and not just pass them over and dig deeply into the roots. Put your roots down further. Let them go into the soil deeper and touch the roots of others as well, down in that soil. I hope and pray that your heart be nourished. Maybe that you pass this bit of lament on to someone else so that the cloud grows and becomes more full and more supportive. I'm sending my love out to you, and I mourn with you as well. Thank you so much for listening. Let's move on together. God bless you, and God be with you.